Jennifer at No Label Brewery, and you're listening to Drink of Ages Radio Show with John Denman. Come out to No Label seven days a week and join us for some badass beers on tap. Don't forget to visit our website at nolabelbrew.com for all events happening at our brewery. Hope to see you soon. All right, everybody, welcome to Drink of Ages radio show. I'm John Denman. DJ Muskratch is the host. I actually meant to do this right before I started talking, and then I started talking. But crack open a nice can of some Tropic Thunder from Stone, which is our guest on this week's show. Uh, go ahead and introduce everybody. Corey Cullen, he's uh, in charge of selling all the fine beer, Stone Brewery around Houston area. Thomas Tweedy, the director and this is where the title gets interesting director of brewing and supply control supply chain the supply chain dylan ellis market manager for texas and then alex Stixrude is dallas fort worth area sales so we've got a nice little gang of stone brewery people hanging out here at drink of ages pub and come on let's catch all right let's start the show i can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, luminary. John Denman. John Denman. All right, so Stone Brewing out of beautiful Escondido, California. Uh, welcome to the pub. Welcome to Texas for uh, a couple of you guys, or one of you that isn't from yeah, here. Yeah, some of us are here, but Tom, Tom's uh, made the sojourn here. Yeah, based so, out of Escondido, uh, work in Richmond also. Uh, so both great breweries. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, I made it out to Escondido a few months back. We, um, what was going on? I went to, it was really odd, like this summer, went to California twice, and... And hadn't been to California in probably 16 years before that. But there was a Back to the Beach Fest that happened in Huntington. So I went there, and it was like Blink-182. And you know, a bunch of all those good, great 90s punk bands were oh, playing yeah. on Huntington Beach. So I was like, I can't miss that. And then I uh, came back, and my kids were like, ah, we want to go to Los Angeles. So I was like, I've got a better idea. Let's go to San Diego first. And then work our way up to Los Angeles because, I don't know, I've been to both. San Diego's pretty nice. And once you get to Los Angeles, it's really busy, crowded, and it takes a while to get anywhere. Yeah, you don't get to see anything because you're siloed in traffic, and it just kind of disappears. There's a lot of nice cars that you get to look at while you're stuck on the freeway. Right. And I was like, hey, look at that one. That one's nice. Hey, nobody's <laughs> driving that one. You know, just different <laughs> yeah. stuff, which was cool and all. But on the way there, we, we met some friends. Uh, I've got a couple old people, like my buddies that I grew up with that live out that way. And we met at the Escondido location. And they're like, oh, it's nice. You ever been here? I'm like, no, I've never been there. All right, let's meet there for lunch. Like, perfect. So as you pull into the nice parking lot, you can't really see what you're, what you're about to get into, which is cool because it's parking lot and there's trees, uh, stone pathway, which made sense. And you have these giant rocks that you're walking in between. And as you come around through that little corridor of rocks, you come to the entrance of Stone Brewing. And 
beautiful building, but it just blends into everything so well. You walk right in. Of course, the gift shop's right to the left. <laughs> yeah, well, you, exit, you exit through the gift when you shop. exit through the yeah. gift shop. But then uh, you go to the right, and it's a beautiful. I mean, it's just a nice facility. So we made it our made our way because we want to sit outside. Beautiful day, Southern California. Uh, I think that's most every day in Southern California. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty nice. Let's go out there, get a whole table, uh, order food, order beers, and food was excellent. Beers were phenomenal, uh, but the facility was something just super just i mean it was just just a really badass experience yeah escondido has been a such a neat area so stone started out in san marcos and so the original brewery is still there uh with our good friends from lost abbey uh now have that and so it's interesting because when we go over there for a shifter and like maybe have a beer after work uh a lot of the guys who are stone have been around for 15 or more years and they remember you know, spilling a brew, or they remember like throwing in uh, their mash and their hops and everything, and so it's it's really an iconic area uh, for us to be around. It's just such an honor to kind of like be able to do your craft there. Uh, and you mentioned the weather and just having the nice brew house and uh, you know the nice area to have like um, you know your break after and everything. It's just like such a, a cool experience. I've been there for about four and a half years now. Well, Stone IPA, and if you haven't had a Stone IPA, then you probably haven't lived. <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you know, there's certain beers that are on a whole different level of, of just to me, it's like the best beers made in the history of mankind. You have Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, uh, Dell's Pale Ale, Stone IPA, and funny they all kind of have the same similarities of West Coast, uh, big hoppy. Yep. good delicious beers oh man and stone ipa is definitely there so yeah i that that beer has i think it's like 14 or 16 different hops varieties in it and so we when uh mitch Steele uh decided to scale that beer up and make it look i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna make a intense west coast style ipa he gathered everything that he had and uh made a couple swings at it and uh made what we called mega ipa so it's actually like the brew code is mip so that stands for mega and anyway so it's a it's a neat story but we started tasting that beer and uh, just like started loving it so much. And so now uh, it's got what we call like a resinous or a piney, you know, kind of like a sticky, uh, just fantastic, like intensity, you know, to that beer, coupled with uh, some of the citrusy characteristics. And so right away, what I get, you know, as I get like a kind of like a punchy orange peel or even like a lime zest, you know, with like that, that uh, really intense hop character. And so uh, what's neat about that is when we go out and we actually select the hops for that beer, like over in the in the in the farm yard, when we break open those hops and smell that lupulin, it smells exactly like that in the beer. So the expression of those actual hops in that uh, Stone IPA is just like right there. It's just such a joy to drink it for a shifter. You guys have your own hop farms? No, no. Um, so we don't have any hop farms, but we do have uh, you know like our our good friends are the folks who are working in the. Uh, in the farm themselves, they'll have their own place. Uh, so, like a lot of the hops are grown in Washington, like in the Willamette Valley, Yakima, Mapton. Uh, so, there's about 76% of the U.S. hop supply is grown in Washington, and the rest is uh, 13, 14% that are shared with uh, Idaho and Oregon. And so, when we go up there, we talk to some of the folks who are, you know, who have been making hops for a long time. But a lot of the breweries who were buying hops 20, 30 years ago didn't really want anything that we want now. So they were showing them like a maybe Comet or showing them something that had like a really neat juicy character or like a really piney resinous character. Uh, but the breweries at the time didn't really want that. They made, they made them kind of bury it. 
but they didn't do that. They kept it aside, waited for this craft beer revolution to happen. And then when we came up, they showed us these, these hops that they had been kind of like hanging out uh, in the backyard. And so like uh, they started growing them up after we started to figure out Cascade and Citra, Centennial, like some of these uh, iconic you know, hops that are around right now happened because those guys knew something was coming up had to wait for a little while but they felt it coming and eventually it did neat story yeah that, that is that's that's very interesting because uh you know by the time i started really sitting around drinking good beers uh cascade was already in a lot of them centennial uh you know you have you have your main hops uh, the, that were in a lot of the west coast ipas and stuff and then now the hot varieties that they're coming up with and every week there's a new hey have you tried a z7 1485 you know, yeah and just all these different blends of hops uh to, to make beers but the it's interesting because what you said was that the the growers knew like they they were growing these hops before they even being used yep yeah so you know those guys uh you know they they brew, or they, they actually have their own homebrew systems, you know, so like they want beer to taste the way that they want it to taste. And so like, they're okay, well, let me let me grab a couple of, uh, you know, hops cones off of these uh, plants and stuff them into the bottle of, uh, of the beer that they had available to them. And they knew that, you know, if they kind of kept it going, they, see these guys understand, you know, like a future, they understand agronomics, they, they're experts in commodity future. And so they... They just uh, didn't let those uh, amazing, they, they kind of had something in a bottle, but they knew it was going to pop. They didn't really know when, but they like were, were, were so lucky for those guys you know, to have found it eventually. And so they, they stuck to it. Uh, and then we came along and we started to enjoy you know, these really amazing complex beers. And they said, here it is, I got something for you. you know? So when we started to show up, here it is. It's, it's, it's really neat. I get kind of goosebumps talking about it. You know? But those guys, have, those guys waited a long time. Yeah, kind of the unsung, like, you know, people in the craft beer community where everybody wants hoppy beers, everybody wants IPAs, but like nobody thinks about the very beginning of that beer, which is the hops, right? Like, you know, yeah, all these very hop poor driven yeah, beers. And it's something we've kind of, or Stone has tried to shed light on is like, you know, so like shameless plug, but like, you know, our farm to can series, you know, like, like doing like, hey, this is where the hops of this beer came from, this one farm, and shining light on those guys. Cause like, like Tom said, like it starts with them and, they're ahead, they're the ahead of the curve more than we are even like if they don't come up with the hop it doesn't exist and we can't use it right so it's yeah so, it's sometimes cool. sometimes their innovation drives ours you know so uh you know it's a I, I keep saying the same thing here but i mean it's such an honor to you know be friends with those guys and they'll show us something that they, they think is kind of cool uh oh hey i have this uh, hop that's in the yard 682 uh for example so we go out in the yard and we, we kind of smell this hop and it kind of blows our mind a little bit and so we say let's make a beer let's do something here because uh, we got something special, uh, and then later on they'll start to um, get a little bit more of that hop available for us, and we start to make a larger scale and and uh, start to put a couple more different hops in there and make something that we think is just like a, a truly unique new beer that's driven by the hops. You know, it's just like a really neat partnership that we have with those guys who are sitting around innovating. Um, you know, uh, just in their field, they, they and, and, and you know it's a it's a like I mentioned the partnership thing, but. You know, for them, you know, it's got to have a couple things, you know, so it's got to have value, meaning, you know, the agronomics of it. Uh, so we think about that, too, because it's not a partnership unless they can make some money, too. <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. So so um, you can have uh, amazing. I, I, I've rubbed some hops that are like blueberry, vanilla, ice cream, you know, like a, that are just kind of like just, just pop in my 
uh, for me, and they're unique, they're new. I want to do something with that, but you know, it's a it's a four bale hop, and they're not going to grow it uh, unless unless uh, we want to pay it seventy five dollars a pound. Right. Yeah. Sign a contract for twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be happy to grow it. But I mean, they keep working and they they keep grinding, you know. So it's. Um, Anyway, so I, I don't want to say too much, but I mean, it's like it's been really fun working with those guys to develop new, new stuff based on the new shit that they grew. Well, what's interesting about these hop farms, uh, I went to I went to Yakima last year. Last year? This year? I don't know. Some, last year. Yeah, I went up there and visited, visited some hop farms, and they're still basically cultivating, growing everything like they were 80 years ago. I mean, there's more mechanics involved, but when we go... Like they had the hot binds growing. They get the machines that go in there. They cut the hot binds down. They load them, hand load them on the truck. Then they take the truck, they hang them on chains, and the chains go through, and then start stripping all the hops out of it. And the guys like, yeah, that, mach- that machine right there, the first machine is 60 years old. This machine here we added, you know, in 1975, and it's still very mechanical to end up with a hop cone and not leave. So I, I thought that was pretty fast. I took a lot of video. And it was always like, man, if I slip off of this, <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. You'd be in, in little pieces. Yeah, I'm going to be in a bunch of little pieces. Uh, You'd be in a beer suit. And Corey and I were, were actually uh, sharing a video earlier today uh, at Flying Saucer. And because I, and, you know, I, I actually came from like farm and stuff. I mean, I was like just a row crop kid like back in Nebraska when I grew up. And so, you know, it, for me to see something like that where you have uh, the elegance of all the engineering and the purposeness of you know the the way that these belts, the dribble belts, are like a, a direction flow and all that. It's just like really, I could sit there and geek out and stare at it for hours. You know, it's just. Really it was neat. like watching a waterfall. I mean, you're just sitting there, <laughs> or just like when you're sitting in an office building watching traffic go. You know, there's a comfort level to it, or you're just like, ah, this is good. Machines are working and and everything's moving the way it's supposed to move. You know, those guys, uh, they've been doing it for so long that if they hear a squeak, you know, or a, or something like that, they know what that is. You know, like, oh, okay, I got to go tighten up that bolt over there grease that lug or something and i just can't imagine you know they, they just know their stuff so well they have to be you know ag- agronomists you know they have to be like a they have to know everything about the soil biome they have to know everything about the engineering of the uh, tractors and the trucks and all the uh, complexities of the uh, picking machines and i just in constantly in awe of these guys i thought it was pretty interesting that you were talking about earlier how they're the guys that they'll just grab the hop and and sort of feel it and crush it and then just based off the feel and the, and the smell and, and everything that they, they get, like sensory, mm-hmm. that's how they know the hop is ready to yeah. pick. Oh, yeah. Some well, it's like are... walking up to a peach tree yeah, and I squeeze in a peach. I mean, it just, it's, yeah. it's, uh, you know when it's ready and you know when it's not. And what a lot of people don't know is that these guys are also at the same time growing grapes or apples, peaches. Um, they've got tons of stuff going on. There's mint and asparagus going on in the valley. Yeah. Uh, so these guys have to worry about all that stuff. But we're so selfish to show up and say like, "Where's my?" You know, we're, we're worried about pick windows and things like that. But I mean, they're they're incredibly gracious and and uh, anyway, like I, I can't say too much about how much respect we have for those guys. All right, we gotta take a break and grab some beers. This is Drink of Ages here on ESPN 97.5. We'll be right back. Thinking about opening up a bar, a brewery, or if you have either one, you need to contact my friend Brian Kircher over at Draftsmiths of Texas. He takes care of all the beer lines at Drink of Ages, which makes it, you know, when breweries come in, they, they try their beer on tap. It tastes as good as it does the brewery. He can install your system, maintain it, glycol, do the whole thing. 
Give him a call at 713-647-1100 or just look him up online, dstexas.com. And man, let him take care of your beer lines. Are you thinking of buying, selling, or renting a house? Let my good friend Amber Sear with Stanfield Properties help with all your real estate needs. She is your real estate connection. Amber is a second-generation real estate agent and holds herself to the highest ethical standards. She is a member of the National Association of Realtors, Texas Association of Realtors, and Houston Association of Realtors. Work with a knowledgeable native Houstonian who I know well and I trust. Whether buying, selling, or renting, contact Amber Sear from Sandfield Properties. Her email address is amberseer.realtor at gmail.com. That's ambercyr.realtor at gmail.com. Or call her at 832-715-5455. Again, that's 832-715-5455. All right, if you guys need anything like some shirts, some merch, some stickers, uh, from koozies to any of that stuff, whether you're a brewery, a distillery, or you just have a business you want to get started and get your brand out there, man, you need to talk to my buddy Rodney Campbell over at Cask Branding. He can take care of you with your glassware. I mean, like I said, he makes all of our shirts here at Drink of Ages. He does a lot of stuff for a lot of people around Houston. So reach out for caskbranding.com, Rodney Campbell, and tell him that you heard on Drink of Ages, and, man, he'll take care of you. All right, welcome back to Drink of Ages. I know, it's like... Get on the mic. Now, this is Drink of Ages Radio Show. I'm John Denman, DJ Muscratch. We're here at Drink of Ages Pub talking to Stone Brewing Company. We've got a whole crew out here Corey Cullen, Thomas Tweedy, Dylan Ellis, and Alex Sticksrude. The whole good crew here hanging out. Uh, started off with some Tropic Thunder. Easy, nice, a little citrusy, you know. Good way to start off the show for the first segment. Second segment, though, we got to step it up a little bit with some Fear Movie Lions Double IPA. Uh, I haven't tried this one yet. This is one that, hill. that we were supposed to have on tap, but unfortunately, it <laughs> didn't make it to the pub tonight. But so cool part about this beer, and I don't want to. Anyway, so like a so Fear Movie Lions is actually the location uh, of the can filler that makes this beer. Uh, in Richmond, Virginia, and so like uh, there's this app called What Three Words, and so What Three Words will ping a uh, three meter by three meter location, and uh, the neat part about that is that like for folks who don't have like uh, emergency response or if they don't have uh, roads or whatever, uh, you can actually say, okay, well I need help at, you know what whatever three words will like assign to your three meter by three meter location. So your home could be, you know, Cat River Lion or whatever, you know. Yeah, we're actually, uh, I just pulled it up to show John while we're taking a look at it. We're actually in Train View Tell right now. So anyone that wants to come visit us right now, type it in, Train View Tell. So it's a geocaching uh, thing. Yeah. And so um, anyway, so the Fear Movie Lions uh, thing, uh, Greg Cook found out that this thing exists out there, geeked on it. You know, like uh, we think it's really cool. Uh, but when we started making this beer, it's actually born out of Richmond, Virginia. Uh, where they developed that, they created this beer, and uh, that is the location of the can filler where it's actually made and filled. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I was, I, yeah, I was wondering that because when I looked it up, I was like, Fear Movie Lions. It's like, yeah, why not? I mean, you got to come up with a beer name somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> FML, too, you know. <laughs> we all take it, right? No, but I mean, this is our, uh, this is Stone's uh, take on the uh, New England style, um, you know, unfiltered beer. 
So we made this uh, juicy as hell. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of really nice hops. Uh, for me, I get you know some of that uh, heat. You know, some of the balance of the alcohol with the hops. I think is uh, was that I get. I also get a little bit of malt in this beer. Uh, so even though it's like a 8.5, I think beer, I get a little bit. Of, I get a nice balance of all the components that are in this thing. Uh, yeah, I definitely get a little heat from the alcohol. Uh, very easy drinking though. There's a nice like tropical sweetness. You, you to get it. you get a little sweetness on the end for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's really I'm fun s- to use the what three words to annoy your friends too. If they're asking you where you are, you like. <laughs> well, that, that's where I'm sitting here thinking in my head. It was like where 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 are we drink of ages? Uh, train. What was it? Train. Oh, I don't know. I have to look it up again. <laughs> I mean, something tell train well yeah people like well, they kind of move to another tell. three meters away yeah. to, to get something more cool <laughs> train train view tell I mean that's but no, I don't know a, where my a, mind is right now but not in a good spot to talk about it on the radio like, yeah. what does that mean I think uh, I think fear lions movie fear movie lions is uh, I don't know for some reason it makes more sense fear yeah. movie lions yeah no, so it's a it's a neat like I said it's our take on the uh, you know New England uh, unfiltered hazies and I, they did a great job in Richmond uh, Virginia these guys really love this beer uh, do a ph- phenomenal job with that actually they won I believe it's a gold in the in the California San Diego Beer Festival uh, so this is a really and it's actually the biggest beer category now in the GBF <laughs> there's like 740 entries that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, and people, yeah, people still around here go, ah, oh, it's just a fad. I don't like this. It's like that's fine. You don't have to like them. It's gonna somebody move on. It's gonna move somebody on. Somebody else does. Yeah. This one's, uh, yeah, it doesn't have an adjunct, uh, so it's all malt, all hops. You know, so there's no weed or oats or anything in it. It's a straight up, straight up beer. So let's talk about Stone for a little bit. When did Stone open? Oh, we we just got it through our 23rd anniversary. Uh, so, like, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, Stone actually opened up in San Marcos. And uh, then uh, when, you know, the craft beer, you know, movement happened, uh, we were a big part of that. And so they moved into, like, a larger facility in uh, Escondido. And so after they built the first, um, the first brew house and the bistro was happening, the sales kept on happening, you know, so, like, uh, people liked the beer. <laughs> and and uh, so we loved making the beer, you know. So we actually moved into like another building right next to the the first brew house area, and that's that became the pack hall. Uh, you know, so what's fun is that the the folks who have been you know working with uh, Stone for 15 or more years, uh, there's a guy that works there for like 22 years now. Uh, you know, so like they just love going back into uh, the original Stone Brewery in San Marcos, and it's like the Lost Abbey now. Uh, just kind of like just look at the old tanks and look at all the stuff that's been there. They got stories about like every square inch about that place, and they know that they remember the time that they uh, dumped a brew, or they remember the time that they had to scrub the floor. And uh, it's fun to kind of hang out and have a beer with those cats and just kind of talk about the old times. And uh, but the oh, new sure place, right, stories for sure, for sure. And the new place uh, has got a bunch of stories too. Uh, you know, like uh, I was talking about the two different buildings uh, being built. Like uh, the original building was uh, the bistro. Uh, and the brew house, and it was like warehouse and logistics, and uh, and the pack hall. And uh, when we got all grown up, we had to make another building. And those doors and all that stuff is still there, you know. So it's kind of fun to see that progression, all the history, uh, and just kind of walk through and geek out at it. Yeah, we run so like the you know the, like Tom said like the brew house and the bistro. That's all one building, and then they had the pack hall is a whole another building. And like I remember on the tour, like they talk about how like oh they had to run it 
you know, from the brewery under the ground to the pack hall. And the brewers, like, you know, a lot of the brewers, like, oh, man, that's, like, 100 and, what, 150 feet or 200 feet yeah. or something like that. It goes like that. underneath the ground. And so, like, uh, the finishing area is right by the pack hall. And so, uh, you know, so you have, like, brewers working next to the packaging guys, which is kind of a strange thing, <laughs> you know, because it's, like, uh, folks who are, like, in engineering and then other guys who are, like, in life science and bio yeah. and chemistry and stuff. And so to see those guys working together, it's almost like a weird handshake thing <laughs> like an <laughs> you don't belong together <laughs> yep true enough true enough but they work it out man they, they do some pretty cool stuff well, it only worked out for the better let's be honest here don't get me wrong I love a good amber but I really like a good IPA <laughs> it's good hot board hot board IPA and what um and it's been great to see, you know, like the New England style IPAs and the East Coast IPAs coming out and different stuff. But the classic West Coast IPA is still my favorite beer ever made. Yeah. Uh, if I had to pick one style that I can drink for the rest of my life, it'd probably be that one. Then I'd probably only live like three days. But <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a fun three days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, but everybody's doing something uh, so. So uh, there's only so much to go around, but everybody's doing their own thing and kind of like coming up with a different recipe. And uh, so the innovations process and like the spirit of collaboration that we have, you know, with the other independent crop brewers. Uh, so we talk to each other about what we're doing. We talk to each other about like uh, sharing hops and ideas. Uh, we're all part of, um, you know, the same organizations, you know. So the Hops Research Council, the um, the Hop Quality Group and the Malting Barley Associations, like we're all friends in this uh, world, you know. So it's not that... We don't don't get me wrong. We're all trying to like get that tap handle, uh, but we still are, you know, people that want to see each other succeed and thrive. So, um, you know, that spirit of innovation and collaboration and cooperation uh, with each other in the independent crop brewery world has just been everything for us. Well, let's take a break and fill up our beers. When we get back, we'll talk more with Stone Brewing Company. This is Drink of Ages. Stay tuned. Houston, this is Jared Montgomery, brewmaster at Megaton Brewery. If you have not heard of us, we're a new brewery in Kingwood. Come check out our air-conditioned tap room. Enjoy our free play arcade games, air hockey, pool table, outdoor patio games, and of course food trucks all weekend. Try our tasty brews or grab a pint of our favorite beers made by our friends across the great state of Texas. Megaton serves wine as well. Our tap room is open Friday and Saturday and beginning September 8th, we are open noon to 6 for football season. Find us on Facebook for hours, events, and special beer releases. Thanks so much. Hey, it is lager season at Houston's own 11 Below Brewing Company, and they've got two easy-drinking lagers available right now to help you crush the summer heat. If you're looking for something on the lighter side, their Crazy Pills is a dry, hot pilsner built for the Houston summer with a fruity, hot flavor and a very crisp finish. If malty is your thing... They can their Oktoberfest Mars and Lager for the first time this year. It's perfect beer to get you in the mood for football season. Look for their canned beers at your favorite craft beer store and try all their beers at their Edo Pub Crawl on September 14th from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Check them out on Facebook. Look up 11 Below Brewing Company 
for all the event information. Show talking stone brewing. I've uh, got the whole crew Corey, Thomas, Dylan, Alex. We're all on first name basis at this point, and I'm probably gonna get everybody's last name wrong. <laughs> we'll just go from there. But, um, 23 years, um, let's talk about your distribution at this point. Uh, so where you guys pretty much cover all the United States, all 50 states, yep, all 50 states. Anywhere else outside of the United States? Have oh, you gone man. to any other countries? For sure. Oh, yeah. boy. That's Have a, we? Oh, oh, boy. Yep. Uh, we're in uh, Asia, Germany, um, Europe. I'm not sure all the countries, but uh, gosh, it was like 26 countries or something. But. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, we, uh, yeah. I mean, you uh, guys, there was a brewery. You guys were opening up a brewery in another country. Yeah, we, uh, we opened a facility in Berlin. We just recently sold it to BrewDog. Um, and they took it over uh, in May. That, that, that is, a, for one, that was a giant feat to yeah. take American craft beer and drop it right in the middle of Germany, which is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know exactly what happened and everything, but that just seemed like a really big, giant task. It was a climb, yeah. So, you know, we, you know, the sales folks over there and, like, the, the brewing guys over there, they did amazing work. You know, they, so what's tricky is that, you know, if you got uh, folks who are used to drinking like a 3.5% or something, if you want to bring in a West Coast-style IPA, you know, we were talking about the evolution of that, that happening in the States. It took a long time, like 15 or 20 years, uh, to get really people integrated into that. And so, uh, you know, in Germany, it takes even longer, you know. So they've got a lot of a lot of great history. Um, a lot of the, uh, it, and it was amazing to see people who really embraced it, though. You know, some of the older folks uh, would really want to try it on and take it on. Berlin is a incredibly like a diverse and um you know like a new and progressive city not new but i mean like those the, the guys who live there are a very artistic community uh, that restaurant scene is a big deal there uh and so like we made uh some pretty big bets and uh we we sold a lot of beer and uh we sold a lot of beer out of that place uh throughout europe um but i mean ultimately i think that the um it, it just was a lot to take on at the same time it was a lot to do that uh in richmond virginia at the same time which we built those things uh you know, pretty much at the same the same year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I built two giant facilities in the same year, and you know, it's and taxing. China shortly after. Yeah, but we have taproom in Shanghai, which is killing it. Shanghai. Yeah. That is awesome. Shanghai. Oh yeah, that place is just amazing, and, and also Napa. You know, like in California, yeah. uh, built a whole you know uh, taproom scene there. <clears throat> I, didn't, I, when I used to live in Northern California. I used to do wine country tastings and stuff. All I wanted was a beer. And <laughs> and if at the time uh, there was like a Stone Brewery there or something that was making like some really kick-ass uh, crap beers, I would have most definitely like went over there and like had a, a pint or two. Probably Tropic of Thunder. You know, like even the FML Fury River Lions and. It would have been so good to have a beer after so much stuff. You know, so yeah. How much beer are you guys producing right now? It's about 400,000 barrels, you know, per year. It's a lot of beer. Yeah, it's a lot of beer. It's uh, But it's been good. I mean, so like, uh, so it's two things. You have to ha- have like uh, your strength of core brands, right? And so, and then you have to also have to keep on innovating. And so, you know, I got to gotta give some love to Chris Ketchum and uh, Steve Gonzalez, the guys who are like constantly coming out with new styles, new beers. And so we had uh, the... POG, the notorious POG, on uh, I think earlier, and so that's uh, born out of like a new uh, partnership and a friendship and innovation, 
and we said, you know what, this thing is amazing. Let's make it, and we did. You know, so like, uh, and some of the stuff that Chris, that uh, Steve is doing in Napa uh, is is a, is the future. I mean, it's like the the up and coming new stuff, new hops, new yeast, uh, just trying it all out. Well, I mean, you guys are, are putting out a lot of different beers, and not only just putting out because you know here locally, you have breweries that are putting out, yeah. You know, a beer or two every two or three months you know coming up with different stuff tap room only and things but you guys are putting out a new beer like stuff that we've, we haven't seen here before often and you know and if you're doing it in houston then you're doing it in yeah. seattle new york you know all everywhere and so i mean that's just that's a lot of creativity and putting it pushing out a lot of liquid for sure you know and and i want to also give some shout to texas you know because uh you know as far as the industry is, is concerned you know like the investment that texas alone has made to like the craft beer industry 5.3 billion dollars a year uh you know as far as like uh, the whole share of uh what texas has done for everything like the the beer that's being made here like the folks who are being employed and, the, and everybody who's like uh, actually like being involved in this craft beer movement is number three in the country. It's a big, big deal in Texas. You know, 5.3 billion dollars with a B. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, so it's uh, it's super important to us, and and we want to we want to interact with the people who are interested in the stuff that we do, and I think vice versa. You know, so it's just been really fun to come down here and do this. Texas is pretty big. Yeah, oh, yeah. And <laughs> it's hot. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> it, it's hot, and people drink a lot of beers. But look, you know, like uh, so, it's uh, California, Pennsylvania, Texas, and then beyond that, it's not yeah. even really a drop. You know, so like, uh, you know, but, uh, and it's not even a per capita thing, but you know, Texas is like really supporting the craft beer movement. All right. So there's a enjoy after October 31st, 2016, bread IPA. Yeah. Uh, I'm about to launch this cork. Oh, Oy. hey, lively. All right. Oh, you got it. Uh, I got it. I was actually worried when you took out that cork. I thought it was just going to explode straight from, or not the cork, the cage. Oh. Oh, that was going to uh, come out. Uh, well, I did a horrible job at pouring. Yeah, in two hours you can take a sip of that. Yeah. <laughs> that beer's wild. Uh, so, you know, we have a vertical of that one over in Escondido, and uh, just to kind of monitor the evolution of this beer as it went through uh, its aging process, it's been kind of neat to see because we take notes on it uh, a couple times a year, and so today it'll be lemony, grassy. Tomorrow it'll be yeasty, astringent, and and then in a year from now it'll be a little bit different from that. So it's kind of been fun to to monitor this beer as it goes. So what is, what is this beer that we're, it's a bread IPA, and so what exactly is making this beer? So that's a stone IPA, but it's been, uh, it's been like re-fermented, or it's been, it had a secondary fermentation in the bottle with Brettanomyces, and so it's a di- wholly different yeast. And so there would be like uh, some residual sugar that's left over there for the Brettanomyces to work on. And so, uh, you know, I was talking about the, how it evolves month over month, year over year, and uh, that yeast keeps on kind of working on it. Uh, so it's not as far as like the aroma and flavor and stuff, you know, you look at it and it says IPA, but it, in my mind, a bit of a Saison, maybe a f- farmhouse, you know, like a nice clean estuary. Uh, you probably get some fig and banana and some straw. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the bread has taken over at this point. No doubt. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't even know the base beer for this was Stone IPA. That's, I get, that's I get insane lemony. to it's me. Like it doesn't taste right anything now. like it. Yeah. That is interesting. I mean, it's kind of warm right now, so that, that's going to make those banana a little bit more pronounced than normal, but uh, I came home the other night. This is a true story. I, this was uh, uh, last week, last Thursday night. I was going out of town on Friday. I went to Canton, Ohio, or yeah, went to Cleveland to 
do a beer fest at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's cool as can be. Yeah. But uh, so I was leaving. So you know, I was like, ah, last night hanging out with the family before I wake up to leave for the weekend. I walk in. I'm like, I smell banana bread, and my wife had made a big loaf of banana bread first time, and I mean, it was it was a great great evening. I ate most of it, <laughs> yeah. and while she was making dinner, I ate most of the whole banana bread. Yeah, I'm sorry. This reminded me of a, a special moment in my life recently that I remembered. This has been banana bread moments with John. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking to some folks over uh, at the Flying Saucer, and um, we were talking about how you know people kind of perceive beer, the, the aroma, and whatever. And um, uh, my wife is an amazing taster, and so is her sensory olfactory, all that stuff is completely uh, is amazing. And so, like, uh, we were talking about the smell of a certain beer. So it was like, you know, it's like a if you mowed through like a bunch of wet weeds, <laughs> you know, it, you know, kind of like a throw those life experiences in there, you know, yes. or it's like a, you know, when I used to throw out alpha bales, uh, you know, onto a wagon or something like that, that's, that's what it smells like. And so like, people like, you know what, that's exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. And you never, you never do that. You never really get that unless you've kind of like had that weird experience. Like, you know, you're talking about my the lemon grass bath bomb. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a very comfortable bath. And I feel like there's a joke or not a joke, but it's real in that Psalm documentary where there's a guy like, it's like, it's like a half cut open tennis ball. <laughs> like, you don't? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I get that. Totally. Or, or yeah. cut garden hose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's like uh, what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's what you want in your beer. Yes. That's exactly what you want. You know, those guys are, uh, you know, Chihuahua guys, right? And so, like, uh, it's weather, climate, uh, agronomics. And, and so we kind of get that, you know? So, like, we talk to, to guys about you know, health of uh, soil and, you know, the, the microbiome and stuff. And so these guys are, you know, just kind of marching down the path of, um, you know, low-till aggravate, uh, you know, agronomics and stuff. And so it's been really kind of fun to be a participate, uh, participant in that. I mean, to, to be, for, for that to be what you do in life, I mean, you have to really nerd out about that. I mean, that's, especially like soil. You really, I mean, if you're... If you're into soil, then you really have to be into soil. I mean, it's, it's not just like, you know what? I dabble on the side in soil. No, that's you have to. Yeah, yeah. You have to really be into it. But I, it, that's what it requires to make this stuff happen. I, I was, uh, you know, I was buying uh, some soil. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking like, man, you know what? There must be something going on because like somebody talked us into buying dirt or into buying water. You know, it's, yeah. It's really strange. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, uh, but no. Let's uh, just real quick before we go to break. This Brett IPA. Uh, Brett's definitely taking over the IPA, which it should by now at this point. Yeah. But way too easy to drink once again. Yeah. Five years and, old. Right. What are we at? Uh, yeah, uh see a three. Four years old. What year? Brewed in fifteen. Oh, brewed in fifteen. Oh, yeah. That's right. Enjoy after. Yeah. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. That's really good. Not not straight loaf of banana bread, but there's definitely some bananas, little light toastiness. Yep, a lot of Esther character, a uh, little cardamom. You know, it's just like a, you know, I was saying like every year uh, we'll taste some of these and break them open and see what they're doing. And last year, two years uh, ago, three years ago, uh, it was something completely different. Uh, so it's kind of neat to watch these guys work on the, you know, the Britannomyces work on the beer that's in there. It's a science project. So I got living creatures, and it's pretty much like Earth <laughs> in a bottle. Yeah. All this stuff going on. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. 
craft breweries, from the highly sought-after hazy IPAs to its year-round core beers, Boomtown Blonde, Honey Hole, Hop Gusher, 5% Tint, and Houston Haze. Available at retailers all around Houston and surrounding areas. Stop by one of the nicest air-conditioned tap rooms in Houston, Thursday through Sunday, conveniently located 8 miles north of downtown off 59 in Little York. Come hungry and try some of our award-winning barbecue and wood-fire pizza from Texas. Go visit our website at spindletop.com and give us a like on Facebook. Hey, John, thanks for having me, man. We got a lot of fun planned this month. September 13th, fr- this Friday, we've got our Oktoberfest at the brewery. Brewery opens at 3 p.m. We're really kicking all the festivities and party off at 6 p.m. We've got our Escape the Brew at Frank's Backyard. We're going to be doing both themes of this one. We're going to do our It and we're going to do our Candyman theme. Come out if you've missed it before. It's a lot of fun. Sit down at a table with some friends. Compete against other tables to see who can, who can finish the puzzles fastest. And then uh, on September 20th, we've got our Pint Night at Backyard Grill. For those of you who've been missing Jalapeno, Don Jalapeno, we've got that. Uh, coming out there to uh, Backyard Grill in Cyprus. And then September 28th, we're doing uh, the Oktoberfest at Brew 30 out in that same area. We're going to have a lot of fun with the team at Brew 30, with Tiffany and Gary. We've got a bunch of breweries that are going to be out there, a bunch of Oktoberfest. It's going to be a great time, man. Venturing into our fourth segment, hanging out with Stone Brewing Company here at Dream Ages Pub. Dangerous. Dangerous. I thought you said eight. I was. I was. I did eight segment. I was like, I think you're right. <laughs> We've, uh, How many segments are there? Uh, we typically do four segments. Yeah. So we got to do it all right now. So we got to do. We have some some really good beers in front of us, and so this week's guest, Stone Brewery. I have a bottle in front of me, quart bottle, small batch, Escondido. Uh, what are we looking at? Peter, right it's uh, classic. And so this is a stone totalitarian imperial Russian stout aged in bourbon barrels. And so um, this is uh, Steve Gonzalez and uh, the small batch team beer. Uh, but that's a really, really elegant uh, beer. So Fedor is, uh, sorry, is um, classic Russian author. And so... Uh, Steve uh, self-titled that beer. Steve and the small batch folks made all that, and it's uh, amazing. I can't wait to try it. So this uh, this beer, uh, we have this, and then we did a uh, basically a kind of a variant or a, another version of it called McHale's, uh, which we have as well. This is uh, the same beer with uh, with coffee or with espresso. So trying to keep well as as I'm about to ask. <laughs> I'm about to ask Thomas a question. Uh, I, I thought I got it, but I don't know if it's moved, actually. No, it's, it's, I, I felt like the cork was moving, but... I'm going to pass it off. I don't know if I can do it either. We'll give it to Tweedy. We'll, he's the actual We'll let Tweedy do it. Yeah, I think it's just stretching. <laughs> give it to Austin. Austin will get so it we open. Also brought a Put it in the bear's we'll mouth. I think maybe the bear the bear could do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, Ru- yeah Russian bear name, you know... 
Jesus Christ, we got we got to get some flyers out here. It, oh, Austin's got it. Austin, he'll, he'll find a, a screw, like a, the old back in the day when Austin you broke the cork off, you just oh, yeah. took the screwdriver and put it in. <laughs> just tap so, the bottle, see if you shake it up. I saw yeah, a video. I, I saw a video where somebody put a wine bottle in their high heel shoe and hit it up yeah. against the wall. Yeah, I've heard that's that a thing. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. Get some leverage. I don't know. You haven't seen that video of How to it, uncork a wine bottle without... You put it in a shoe and hit it on like a wall or something and it. Some sort yeah, of... Magic happens. <laughs> magic, yeah. Drunken magic. Hey, Houston. That's where you messed up. <laughs> it made different styles, different everything. Putting out so many different bottles. Trying to make sure that the quality... No matter where you are, anywhere in the United States, you know, you're driving through and you pick up a Stone IPA six-pack, it tastes like the way it's supposed to taste like. Yeah. You know, and there's there's a lot involved because you have, you have breweries that, um, uh, hey, we got this bottle open. Good job, Austin. The hero of the day. We, uh, or not we, but... Um, to, to make sure that the beer tastes the way it's supposed to taste... Putting out so much, and I guess this is where Tweety you come in because, uh, as a director of brewing and supply control, is that supply chain? Supply chain, yeah. Supply chain. Then, uh, how do you how do you keep up with making sure that the beers are not falling off? Because every once in a while, they'll just be something that's supposed to taste like this, and just doesn't qu- quite taste like that. Like, like it's supposed to, right? And it comes from a brewery that's making good beers. You know, you should trust, but it's just not quite right. Supply chain part of that is, uh, you know, so just having like a, making sure that you're getting the same malt, getting the same hops uh, that you would use year over year. So there's like a consistency uh, piece to that. And then aside from that, it's uh, yeast uh, metabolism that will pay, play like a big role in how the, ultimately the beer, the beer will turn out. And so, um, you know, just basically a monitoring process and, you know, having skilled brewers who are tasting the beer, smelling the beer. Uh, these guys are guys who are, like, listening to things, uh, listening to pipes knocking or smelling, like, if the mash is getting too cooked or too hot or something. And, and, uh, and then later on down the stage, uh, for each beer, uh, this beer, every beer that you've had from Stone has got a sensory descriptor that has each uh, flavor and aroma component spelled out exactly what it's supposed to be. And so, uh, you know, on a one to seven scale, we'll say, okay, like a citrusy, it's got to be half a three, or orange uh, peel, uh, you know, it's got to have like a six, uh, et cetera. And so year over year, uh, beer over beer, we have to make sure that those things are tracking the exact same way. So like the idea is that, you know, if you can quantify it, then you can control it. And so we, we, we do it that way. So like as far as just like the quality management system, you know, one of the main pillars of that is a beer flavor consistency that starts uh, so so early in the process you know um, you know, we're talking about pick windows in the hops we're talking about you know consistency in the hops uh, or in the malt supply chain uh, talking about like the hot side uh, mash process uh, you know timing of hops throws uh, what how we do our dry hop process how you filter it how you process it in the packaging area uh, there's I mean there's got to be 150 I think I believe we counted up 158 different checks that we do on each case of beer uh, so when you pull up in like a, a box of beer uh, at Stone, when they do their, pa- their process quality checks, they look at a, like 158 different things, you know, so it could be the code, it could be the bottle, the crown, 
uh, etc. And so, like in the background, the physical chemistries of that beer are all the things that happen to that body of uh, beer. You know, we call it green beer in process, and we call it finished beer after it's done. Uh, you know, just to make sure that it's all the same, that it's all consistent. You know, there's sure there's a blend plan that we'd have to execute if there's something that's like a little bit off, uh, but there's nothing that. Uh, that we would expect to be completely, uh, you know, diabolical of the beer. You know, if there's like a sulfur component or something that we know that we can't get rid of, then we'll, we'll be disciplined uh, by getting rid of it. Uh, so that's what it takes, you know, like uh, for us to, you know, just uh, have process controls, process consistency, uh, folks who are used to like seeing these kind of things and like being disciplined enough to react uh, quickly enough to, you know, make the right decision if we have to. Uh, but I mean, overall, like, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, it's 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 elegant, you know. Like uh, it's uh, very complicated and everything, but it's uh, kind of simple at the same time because uh, you got p- people who are doing their job. You know, I guess is kind of what it comes down to. I always kind of say like, you know, we're really lucky or blessed at Stone. Like, you know, we, we rarely have these quality issues, and it's it's the difference between quality assurance and quality control. You know, quality control is what do you do when a bad beer gets out of the brewery and quality assurance is making sure that a bad beer doesn't leave the brewery and true as a sales team and people on the front lines like we rarely have those issues and it's due to tom and and the whole brewing team that like you know have you had to have you had to pull anything like has there been like oh man something's going wrong because most of the breweries around here that's happened more than once right so i mean definitely definitely something could go wrong but has there been a time recently that you're like, well, who wants to drive the truck to all 50 states? Yeah, and let, let's <laughs> no. grab some stuff. No, I mean, the short answer is uh, no, we haven't had to do that. But the That's long great. answer is uh, we we retain uh, a full set of like every single batch we make. And so like uh, cans, bottles, kegs and everything. And so we uh, put them on panels. We taste them through their whole shelf life. Uh, and if they are aging and marching through their their shelf life as we expect them to then we're good to go but if there's something that's going on uh we would know that really early you know we would know that uh very soon in the process yeah uh and and, i mean it's not just in sensory it's like about microbiological controls and so we do uh quant pcr uh so we do uh microbio assessments and just look to see that all the organisms that are in there that are making these beers, these yeasts uh, and such, are our yeast. And it's not like a, a wild foreign contaminant. It's not a Britannomyces uh, that's present when we don't want it to be. And uh, so we, we do have all these checks in line just to make sure that we don't put something out uh, that we don't like. You know, So those are things that, we happen, that, that would happen early in the process before it even gets out of the barn. I mean that's great and all, but this beer right now that I'm drinking, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of zoned out for a second. <laughs> that was no, uh, but for real though, I mean if you guys weren't doing all this, like I said, you can't be in the middle of no matter where you are. Like I stop in Florida and I go over and I pick up a six pack of some Stone, I know it's going to be good. I stop right. in Bolivar Peninsula here in, in Texas. I know it's going to be good. So I mean, it's, it's it's the quality and making sure that everything is right exactly the way it's supposed to be when it leaves the brewery. Uh, and yeah. you guys are doing it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. You know, and so it's, it takes a lot of work. You know, but like I said, it's like a very simple uh, control management system uh, where uh, you know it's both it's both simple and complex. But I mean, all it is is risk assessment. So like, uh, can we? identify a risk can we quantify it can we like uh, create checks processes to make sure that we don't get in trouble uh, you know and so like if we do get in trouble what is our plan you know so uh, that's that's all you got to do you know it's uh it sounds tricky but it's, it's not that bad 
So the, the, this uh, nice beer that we're drinking now, and I think another bottle just got yeah, open. Yeah, we, uh, we popped something open here. Yeah, man. Thank you, awesome. Thank you, sir. This is, uh, this is an incredible stout. It is way too easy to drink. Oh, yeah. This is not for a standard human. I mean, a lot of folks, <laughs> a lot of folks don't get this beer, you know, and, and uh, it's a shame because this is... Uh, I could sit here and uh, and write down probably 15 different flavor descriptors, you know, like um, you know, just in the aroma and the and the flavor. It's so it's, the complexity of these beers is just just wonderful. And you know, um, you know, Corey, we were, we were drinking that uh, Enjoy After uh, a little bit ago, and and uh, just I was talking about how it just matches marches down like its uh, progression as it you know after it's bottled and like uh, letting the yeast work on it and letting some of those uh, flavors and those characters uh, just kind of meld together. Uh, I had a Choco Vesa uh, that was canned a year ago, and I really get more vanilla now than I used to. And so, like, uh, just kind of, like, watching those things kind of progress as they age is just really fun to do. It's, like, a really joy to have this chop. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how I earned this, but <laughs> I got really very lucky in my occupation. Uh, no, it, it's, uh, you guys work for a great brewery, and had Greg Cook on the show maybe six years ago, I don't know, five years ago, something like that. And it was very great to actually meet that guy, hang out with him, drink a lot of beers. And uh, back when we were at the old studio. But Stone's been, uh, it just seems like it's been part of my life for as long as I can remember. Yeah, and that's the cool part about you guys. Uh, this beer, like I said, sensory. I can't say the things I want to say because, again, we're on ESPN. Because <laughs> it's... This is a this is a very sexy beer. That's <laughs> what it is. Ah. And Tommy's so, the word elegant. I think that's a, that's a good descriptor. You know? Velvet, yeah. Velvet hammer. Yeah. 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 So very good. But uh, now thank you guys for hanging out. Um, uh, thanks for bringing all the beers. Uh, it's been a fun night. Of course. Yeah. Fun night talking to you guys. We we could actually talk another hour easily at just about the process uh, that you guys do in packaging beer because I mean, oh, we didn't get there yeah i know we didn't even touch touch on that but uh stone brewing thank you guys for coming and hanging out drink of ages pub and man you can find their beers all over the place i'm sitting here looking at scorpion bowl ipa sticker right now if you haven't tried that yet you need to get some and once again if you've never tried stone ipa then what rock have you, you been hiding in? you have like three yeah. days right <laughs> just what are you doing uh, yeah three days if you haven't tried it by sunday then yeah, just just cancel yourself. I mean, figure, figure something else out in life because you're missing out on some really good beers. But um, now appreciate you all and uh, uh, yeah, well, welcome to Texas, hanging out, and the rest of you guys, welcome to Houston, and of course you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for stopping by the pub. Guys, thank yeah. you. All right, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this week's show of Drink of Ages. Uh, sponsored by a lot of people. You heard all the commercials, man. Go out there and support the brands that support us. And you can listen to any of the old shows. Sponsored by No Label Brewing Company by going to SoundCloud, iTunes, and various other dark places on the internet. And, man, what else is there, Muskratch? Uh, go Astros. Go Texans. Did we win today? What's going on on 23rd? Oh, yeah. We have an off-flavor class here. Thank you, Muskratch. Remind me, but yeah, we have a badass little off flavor beer class. So, kind of what we're a little bit what we're talking about with Stone is while their beers don't taste bad, but we're going to talk about why beers do taste bad 
And so on uh, September 23rd, come out. It's a free class. Drink some beers and taste some really bad beers so that you'll be able to and understand why they taste bad here at Drinking Bages Pub. But Buscratch, have a good weekend. Uh, everybody be safe out there and talk to everyone next week.